Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the Windy City Podcast. It's our Cubs podcast on Mondays. Brian Beto, Jordan Burnfield with me as we dive into whether or not the Cubs had a good offseason and what this year looks like. What does success look like? As spring training underway, the first game was earlier today. Very interesting times for the ball club with a lot of subtractions and some additions. And Kyle Hendricks, a mainstay, pitching today looking like Kyle Hendricks. Before we get to the Cubs pod, a couple of things as we continue to monitor what's going on with the Bears and all the quarterback rumors and Russell Wilson putting out there Chicago which would be sweet. I don't think it's going to happen. I am interested if Gardner Minshew actually could end up being the guy, which I wrote about a while back. I think if I had to pick a favorite right now, I'd go back with my original. Original is that Nick Foles will start and they'll draft a quarterback, but maybe it's Jameis Winston. Maybe it spins that the Saints end up with a quarterback and Jameis is looking for a team and Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and company think they can resurrect Jameis. Teddy Bridgewater, I suppose, is possible. But this is interesting, and the draft creeping closer here end of April. So it'll be interesting to see if the Houston Texans really do dig in their heels and don't move Deshaun Watson because if they don't – at some point – they very well may take the best deal, and then the quarterback carousel will spin. And that feels like the time, draft time, when we'll learn what the Bears are going to do. Bulls with a tough loss tonight to the Nuggets. That's too bad. Uh, yeah, the Bulls are going to be in a battle this entire way, along with six other teams from anywhere from seed four all the way to number 10. A tough loss tonight to Denver and just not a great shooting night for the Bulls as they shot 32% from three, 12 of 37. That's just not going to be good enough when you're facing a playoff caliber team in the Nuggets with an MVP candidate, Nikola Jokic, who had a huge night tonight, 39 points and 14 rebounds. All right, before we get to our Cubs podcast, DeWindy City podcast supported and sponsored to you tonight by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped, the precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped, trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. 2 million. How about that? And they do have an exclusive offer for you, the diehard or casual DeWindy City Podcast. Listener, you get 20% off plus free shipping when you put in the code FANSIDED20. When you go to manscaped.com. Now, you want to get the perfect package 3.0 kit, best ball hair, ball hair trimmer ever, the lawnmower 3.0. You get a sweet pair of boxers, and it's basically two free gifts all into their perfect package pair of high performance Manscaped boxer briefs, um, and you get the travel shed bag, the DOP kit, plus. The Lawnmower 3.0. You will not regret this purchase. It's freaking awesome. 20% off, free shipping. Put in that code, fansided20 at manscaped.com. 
Thank you for taking time to put on the Windy City Podcast. We appreciate it. Please tell a friend, subscribe, give a rating. It helps a lot in supporting the podcast. And let's be honest, supporting my career. Jordan Burnfield, Brian Beto, the Windy City Podcast starts right now. Showtime. We're starting out our our Cubs pod here and just examining, was this a good offseason or bad offseason for the Chicago Cubs? Let me just start here, and then we'll get to Jordan and and Brian in in, in that order on this take here. Outside of losing Theo Epstein, and I don't know why they're not already creating the statue right now, as far as I'm concerned, it should be being built and maybe multiple statues. We could put one at the bleachers entrance and at Clark and Addison. And I'd be down with it because we won a world series with Theo and Theo's God. But outside of that, like I think everybody's so down on what the Cubs have done. I'm actually mostly excited about what's happening. Like I really wanted them to start at the top. If they were going to do some sort of rebuild and I thought their most valuable asset was you Darvish. Now they didn't necessarily get as much as I would have liked for you Darvish, but they're betting on themselves and their own evaluation, getting four prospects from the Padres. You never know. I mean, it's not like Fernando Tatis Jr. was the number one prospect when he was traded for James Shields. So if you believe in the Cubs' ability to scout players, and I would like to believe in that as uh, somebody who wants this team to win, I like the fact they were as gutsy to trade you. Now, John Lester being left and in, in that for not a lot of home money, it doesn't really excite me. But long term, I don't think that's a huge deal. I do hope they keep going. So I actually give the Cubs like an A minus on the offseason for moving forward and not staying stuck in a tough market and actually doing something. Jordan, you want to go like, was it a good or a bad offseason for the Cub? Yeah, I mean, I think the points you make, Mark, are interesting. What I would say is for the 2021 Cubs, in that context, it was probably a bad offseason because I think they're worse than they were. But in terms of their long-term future, it might prove to be a good offseason for the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, I think a lot of this is dependent upon what they're able to get uh, out of the U Darvish trade that they made. I think a lot of the U Darvish trade, I didn't have a problem with them trading U Darvish, but I do feel that they obviously valued getting his contract off the books more than the prospects they were getting in return. And that's not to say that the guys that they got aren't going to turn out to be good, because I think, you know, there's a difference between the uh, social media narrative and the reality. I mean, I think that they could wind up with some really good players from this, but I tend to believe that if they had not been, you know, so hell bent on getting the $60 million off the books at the time, they probably would have gotten some prospects that would be on the Cubs sooner than the ones that they got. So Beetle, Beetle, I think you... that it remains to be seen what's going to happen there. But I do think that, you know, the, the, the one part of this too is that in the past, it was a very obvious rebuilding plan. So it was easy for people to get behind, right? Tear the thing to the ground and build it back up incrementally through the draft and through a couple of great trades. In this case, 
they're sort of, you know, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, guys, you know, they're in this weird spot where they could rebuild if things go bad. They could go for it if things go well. And so I like the idea that they're probably rebuilding and trying to compete at the same time in a way that makes some sense. Um, but I, I don't think that for 21, they're better than they were in 20. Vito, do you agree with Jordan's contention that the main motivation for the U Darvis trade was not necessarily the players they were getting, but it was just getting rid of the salary? Yes, I do. I, I think that it's your point. Again, to everyone's point, none of us are scouts, right? So we don't know how these guys are going to turn out. But I, I feel that if this was the potential, this is a speculation, was the return and the Cubs financially were in the, the mode that they were in four or five years ago, that I'm not sure they make this trade per se, but given the constraints and where they were at, they thought let's, you know, get rid of the salary, get as much as we can. And to your point, Mark earlier, let's trade a guy that's, you know, at his peak value when in theory, you know, you might see some level of regression here the next couple of years, given, given his age. So I would I think there's points to me on both of that. As far as like the the off season, I think it's fine. I think, you know, I think there's some moves that make them a little bit better than last year. So I think like we Jock Peterson just based on his higher contact rate and better ability in left field, I, I think might fit a little bit better with the the Cubs than as much as I love Schwarbs as much than what he did. I think even getting Zach Davies, while I don't expect him to do what he did last year, I feel like it's somewhat underrated what he can bring. I think the bullpen, believe it or not, might be one of the strengths of the team as well. And, you know, I overall, like Jordan mentioned, you, you know, you restock the farm systems with guys that could end up being good. I think a lot of times those rankings, they're, they don't necessarily rate really, really young players super high that haven't had a lot of time. Um, to your point, even about like a Tatis Jr. So they just don't give those guys the high accolades until they're towards the middle or upper parts of the minor league system, unless they're like a top, you know, top first round pick. And then, you know, this is me being the prospect nerd, but, you know, you get Christian Hernandez, um, which is their best international free agent signing, you know, since they talk about even more, maybe more upside long term. Again, it's early on, it's raw. And someone like when they signed Eloy and Weber Torres. So, I mean, I think there's things that they did to position themselves long-term in the short term. Uh, you know, they, they didn't do anything crazy, but we all knew they weren't going to spend a ton of money. And as we said last time, the division's just not great, not great at all. So they can certainly compete even with, with what they have going right now. So that brings us into an interesting quandary. Let's just say that whatever they play, five over 500 baseball and we're into July and they're in the playoffs or very much right there. Maybe even have, let's say they're either three games up or a game back. What are they going to do? Cause like worst case scenario, right? Like it's almost like you, 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 you're so excited for baseball because we're, we love baseball and people are going nuts to see Kyle Hendricks on the mound today and Cub fans were probably watching Jason Benetti and Steve Stone yesterday and, and, and enjoying the White Sox because baseball was back and the Sox were on first. But you, it's almost like you want them, at least from my perspective, just start losing. Lose aggressively, don't get hurt, and let's get real and, and have guys play well. 
let's have Javi have a great year. Let's have Chris Bryant have a great year, and maybe you can make a huge deal. I, I want them to sign Bryant. I hope they trade Javi. I don't really care which way they go with Rizzo, back or forward, if whatever makes sense. And I, but if if they're in the middle of it, it's it'll be very interesting to see which lane they'll pick. I I don't have a great sense of what they'll do. Do you, I mean Jordan? You got any any uh, thoughts on like what's Jed Hoyer's thinking process? If they're actually is he going to hold it as a as they say every baseball season is a treasured baseball season? Okay, you're up two games and you know you're not going to do anything in the playoffs, but do you punt on the season? It's hard to do that. Might have lost Burnfield. He's speechless. Oh, sorry. I, I think I the cheek. Uh, I my cheek hit the mute button. So apologies. No. I'm here. I was answering your question. No problem. Uh, I, you, I, I will. Feel, I will, feel free to edit. That. I will. I will do a good edit there, and or leave yeah, that in. That was good. Um, that was good radio. Yeah. So slash podcasting. It was great radio. Uh, so yeah. So my 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 response would be that I think what Vito said is true. That I think the worst possible scenario would be what you laid out there because I think what the Cubs would never say publicly, but what I believe to be true is that the best, the best scenario possible is they don't have a good year, but they have certain guys individually that have great years that all of a sudden they can maximize the value for possible trades to rebuild the team. The other obviously good best scenario would be that they have a great season, but I just don't, I don't see them being a great team this year. I don't think that they have enough both from an offensive standpoint or from a pitching standpoint. But if they were to not have a good season from a wins-loss perspective, but Bryant or Baez or any of these guys, Contreras, have incredible offensive years, then you know you might be able to really kick this rebuild uh, into high gear. And I think that that's the, the biggest issue that the Cubs have faced, in my opinion, over the last couple of years, which is something that, frankly, I don't blame them for because I don't think – you, anyone really could have foreseen this was that at this juncture in their window that all of their best quote unquote best offensive assets would be depreciating assets that are no longer as valuable as they were hashtag like, losers i don't think that they thought that was going to happen so they may have no choice but to rebuild and get less for guys because it just worked out that way but I think they thought that either those guys were still going to be great and they would have invested more into them, meaning big contracts for Bryant or Baez or any of them, or that those guys would be playing well, and even if the team was not as good by this point, that they would be able to kickstart their rebuild the way the White Sox did, basically, which is to say we aren't good enough to win, but we've got huge assets that we can launch. You know what I mean? So like they're in this weird spot where – it just turns out that as these guys are coming up on the end of their contracts, they're not worth what they were three years ago. You know what my biggest meathead take is? And I, I was waiting for Badog to jump in here, uh, but I let me just give. I you was a, waiting for you to give your uh, meathead take. So yeah, I was, okay, I was good. Waiting. So here's my here. I want to hear the meathead. This, take. this this is not this this is not <laughs> have anything to do with what you just said there, Jordan. But, but, but I, I literally, as you were talking, no more, nobody's listening anyway. Yeah, I, one from Harry Dale. Swing and a miss, strike three. I could, I could not 
as you were speaking, I could not get out of my head a video that I saw today at spring training <laughs> of Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant standing there, like Rizzo standing there with his hands in his back pocket, and they're having some conversation. And then they both like started like very casually getting into their running for the day and like doing some like side whatever they were doing. I'm looking at him like neither of you are the least bit dialed in. Can I get some seriousness in a spring training drill? Show me that you're trying and you're not just going through the motions and we're here on day five and you actually are trying to do something this year that you haven't done. That is, that is. Just I know. Is, is that not oh the is that, is that not the worst take you've <laughs> ever heard? But I, it bothered me. I'm like, where's the urgency? You guys. Well, I'm not. We talked about I sleeping like at the beginning of this. Oak I'm Oak. not gonna be able to sleep tonight because I, I just <laughs> yeah. heard that take. I'm gonna be up thinking about how awful that was. I, I know. See, like, Vito, you're, you're, somebody you're, thinks that this is the point of this podcast. I work by you the way. no points, and may God have mercy on you. <laughs> yes. See, this is this is why I want to do this podcast because you two are gonna sit there and be like, look, the BABIP on that shuffle does not matter, and I'm gonna be sitting there like, look. When when you get into the on deck circle, I want you to take your swings like you actually mean it, and well, let's go old school. That you got a little bit of intensity going into the season. I I sometimes think that Anthony Rizzo gets a, he gets a little bit too much credit for being Johnny Leader when in reality he's kind of like just a happy Rizzo, and they've won the World Series, and he's that intensity when he when he when he, when he wanted to take on the entire Cincinnati Reds dugout, one of the greatest moments in Cub history. Damn it, I haven't I I, I want to see some of that this year. I really do. And Step call me away a- from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say step away from the microphone? <laughs> All right, I'm, after that, I'm worried about what you're going to say next after those last last two blazers, man. I I want I want a I want a bench clearing brawl and I want Rizzo to fight 25 Reds and or Mets and or Cardinals. That's what I need to feel good about this baseball team. And that, oh you have fight, you got all of that because you saw him casually strolling in the yeah. first spring training game of the year. Yeah, not not oh, even. So you had to hate last year when they mic'd those guys up during spring training. How angry were you? Remember that right before COVID, and they shut down spring training. They they mic'd up both Rizzo and Bryant mid game. I was working for Admitted the that. I was working for the White Sox then. Wasn't paying attention. Missed it. <laughs> Well, it was yeah, it's probably a good thing because we'd probably be hearing about that right now and how unprofessional it was. But do you but, but answer this question though? Do you do you think and and, I, and like this is not it's actually not that far off the being bad. Like I've talked to Ryan Dempster about this. Do you think that this team has got this is part of what their offseason was? Like they've gotten too comfortable. They won the World Series. Like it's impossible to duplicate. You know, it was five years ago, right? But it, I. I think there's a part of the reason why Jake Arrieta is here. Like, I don't think he's just here so they could flip him at, in July. I don't think he's here because they think he's going to be incredible. I think they want some a, a different level of intensity in that clubhouse. Can you buy into that? Maybe. I, I don't think that's wrong. Like, I, I don't think it's that's a take to say, like, yeah, they maybe need some, you know, different approaches. Or maybe they – I mean, they even said when they hired Ross last year that maybe it had gotten a little too loose, a little, a little too far away, and that Ross – you know, even though he's friends with some of those guys, like he's the first one to, to hold them accountable. So I don't think it's, it's off base. I think that, you know, there's just different leadership styles and Rizzo's different. Arietta has got a little bit, uh, a chip to his shoulder, as we all know. I think Jason Hayward's a, a great leader and I think he's really embraced that, that role. So hopefully that, you know, that's not going to 
improve these guys' skill sets, but it hopefully gets them more, you know, detail oriented and because they're going to have to be super fine this year in every aspect of the game to, to have a great season because to our points earlier, they, they don't have the talent of the Dodgers or the Padres. So they have to be clean defensively. They have to get back to the great detailed base running team. They were uh, a few years back. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that you know, maybe they brought some of these guys in or, you know, that there's a help maybe with some of the smaller points of the game. Well, I also think, Carm, your point, like, I think the reason why you might believe that is because they kind of wanted you to believe that at the end of the 19th season, right? They sort of tried to put this on Joe Madden where mm-hmm. they didn't completely because he's the beloved Joe Madden that was the manager of a team that won the World Series, but they were kind of trying to put it on him without putting on him by saying, well, like, things got laxed and, you know, we need accountability and we need to be taking batting practice. And, we, you know, so, like, I think that where that comes from is sort of from where from them, right? Like, they wanted the, they wanted the narrative to be that David Ross was going to come in and be like the friendly ass kicker, right? Like, we love Rossi. He's, he's, you know, everybody respects him because of what he was. But at the same time, like, he's the guy that's going to get in your face. And so I think that, like, I mean, I know that you're somewhat tug-in-cheek, obviously, when you're talking about them jogging in spring training. But I think that that perception of the team at large kind of comes from them. Like, they – wanted to sort of say, like, we weren't as good after we won the World Series because, you know, Joe's laissez-faire attitude worked to help us win, but then after we won, it was too much and we weren't as good. And that's where I'm like, literally, as as I'm saying it, and then Beto's bringing that back, and now you're bringing the same thing here, Jordan, as far as the, the Madden part of it. I'm arguing against myself because I hated that. You guys are going to put this on Joe Madden? Really? Right. I thought that was nuts. That was crazy. Like, like th- that, yeah, that yeah. is just complete BS. It's, it, but to argue, try to f- at least for my point a little bit here, maybe they're looking at it now like, hey, man, the manager seat is the manager seat, but the leadership actually has to be in large part in that clubhouse from the players. Like, that's going to resonate a lot more than who's standing on the top step, even somebody like David Ross who was in that dugout with them. So there's where a guy like Arietta can perhaps have an impact. And, and you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have paid huge money to get him, but he wanted to be here. It wasn't cost prohibitive. They probably think that defensively they're a whole lot better than the Phillies, so he's bound to have a much better season. And it like I don't know what order they would put it, but I don't think like I'm guessing the leadership wasn't number one, but it was probably in there. Sure. Uh, all right, cu- couple things on the field here. First spring training game, whatever. No one cares. I get it, but it is interesting to me that they had Anthony Rizzo leading off here. And Beto, you're probably against me on this one too, but I'm old school. Like I go, when were the Cubs good? Oh, they were good in '84 when Bob Dernier was a good leadoff hitter. Oh, they were good in '89 when Jerome Walton was the Rookie of the Year. Oh, they were good in '98 when you had Mickey Morandini. God love there him. There it is. I knew you were going to lead off with Mickey Morandini when you talked about '98. Give me a Lance. That's your guy. Give me a Lance Johnson throwing out hits. Jim Riggleman will tell you the values of Lance Johnson. Give me Kenny Lofton in '03. I mean, and and of course, let's just. 
go back to recent history, Dexter Fowler. But they don't have the guy. So does it matter to you who they put there? Do you like Rizzo there? This conversation's been going on for five years, but it's like they're still in the same spot with the leadoff guy. Yeah, I, I think it's tough because it, I think – I don't disagree. I'm not going to jump down your throat. I don't like disagree with you on anything. I I just don't know if they have someone that fully sets the table at the top. So, and you know, lineup construction generally can be over, you know, overrated as we all know, but it doesn't mean it's, you know, completely useless. And, you know, we've seen at times just different players just not flourish there. You know, we tried, I think they tried Schwarber there. It was a total disaster. Chris Bryant, you know, wasn't great there. Rizzo was really good in small samples when Joe was just trying to switch things up. Obviously, Ross last year. I don't know. I think they really wanted Ian Happ to take off, but then, you know, he had that really – he, he kind of went back and forth, wasn't great, and then he was awesome for a while. Um, so he might make sense at, at the top. Um, but I think, I think they would love to see Ian Happ sort of solidify himself in that role as being like a high on base – guy that's got decent speed to to to, to get things going um has some slugging ability too so i feel like he might make the most sense but you might see a bunch of guys up there strikes out too much but i but whatever that's i agree but they don't have anyone that doesn't outside of nico horner and you can't throw that guy up at the top because he doesn't get on base and his bat's just not there yet right no i listen i get it there's no good answer jordan do you lose sleep at night over the leadoff man at least once one night a week well, I'll be losing a lot of sleep shortly, so this this will just <laughs> add to my uh, sleep loss. But no, I mean, I I think I think you make good points here. The the funny thing, Carm, is like my dad has been making this point incessantly to me on the phone for years. Uh, so he would be completely in camp, Carm, on this. And like, I don't disagree that it, it's obviously extremely valuable when you have a good table setting player at the top of the lineup. I mean, look at the recent championships in baseball one in Chicago, not just Dexter Fowler, but like, think about how Scotty Pesetnik was like the, was like the spark plug of that White Sox team that won in 2005. So like, you know, you look at championship teams and typically they do have it, but I think Beto's right too. Like they haven't had a leadoff man since Fowler left. And I understood not paying him, and I think it was the right decision because it's clear that the last few years, Dexter Fowler is not, as much as I love Fowler, has just not earned the contract he was given with his on-field performance. But, you know, Ben Zobris was really valuable at the top of the lineup in 17, and he's not here anymore. And they really have not had a guy that fulfills that role. So, yeah, like, I, I think you're right that it, it hurts them, and I would prefer not to see Rizzo at the top of the lineup either because I also just think their lineup isn't good enough to take one of your best, if not your best, run producers away from a run-producing spot in the lineup at least once a game. Like, I don't think that makes sense to me um, from the perspective of trying to score as many runs as possible. So, I mean, I I don't love it, frankly, but I also – think that they just haven't had it they wish they have it obviously um they tried a bunch of guys in that role i would rather see rizzo there than bryant i thought that made no sense um but you know i i just don't know that they'll be able to find a solution this year i agree i don't think nico horner's that guy so i think that they're going to have to try to you know manufacture runs 
um, the way that they have done when they've been successful the last three years, even though they've had their ups and downs, which is to hit home runs and get on base. Jack Peterson, you're leading off, buddy. Huh? I, you know, that's yeah. not against righties. That is definitely a viable option, believe it or not. So, his, like I said, his con, he makes contact more than a lot of people think. Um, but, yeah, I, I neither. there's nothing great. It's going to be, you know, musical chairs, I feel like, for, throughout the year at, at leadoff. Yeah, we're coming up on a, our time limit today because everyone's got busy lives. But I want to ask you, do you think – you will go to Wrigley Field this year. Uh, I will need to be. I'm a. I'm waiting to get vaccinated. That's something I would consider. I haven't really put too much thought into it, especially since kids and stuff. Anyway, it would make it difficult to get down there normally. So I don't know. It depends on the limits. Depends on the situation. There's just. You know, like, shockingly enough, I can't just make a snap decision. I actually have to think about the context surrounded with it. But so after all that long roundabout way, I'm saying, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I just think, yeah, it, I, uh, I think it's interesting. I like, family man in the you summer. Do you want to go, Carm? Uh, I do. I do. I, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm. Are you feeling comfortable? No, no, not at all. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know that I would. I mean, I, if I, I agree if I were if I were vaccinated and, you know, it's just like with with a young child uh, this year, I just I don't I don't see how I could make it work. But I guess if I were vaccinated, I might be more willing. I would say if I'm not vaccinated, I just don't see the benefit in going. Like, yeah, I'm I, I don't know. Especially that's, that's, if we, if we like, ended up trading everyone, like nobody's <laughs> no, I don't care. We're, we're, we're not putting the risk out there for a 60 win team. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like if, I mean, the other thing is like, I was extremely fortunate to go when they were in the world series. So, I mean, it's not going to be better than that. You know, like I don't have to go so badly that I have to see like an August game where Zach Davies gives up seven runs in the heat in the heat at Wrigley Field. Like I'm not yeah. rushing to that game. Right, but so for for me when I want to avoid my life, which is about, you know, at least four days of the week <laughs> I like I I really enjoy more than anything else going to the ballpark by myself and buying the cheapest single ticket I could find out there and sitting in 10 seats throughout the day, avoiding vendors that I know and anyone else that I see and just, you know, enjoying the baseball game. I don't think I would. That, do- was, that was the one tough part about like them getting good. And 15 was like 2012 through 14. When we, I was like a mile from the park. If then was just like Tuesday night, Cubs, Marlins, $10. You know, just walk right in and forget about everything else. Right. Tremendous avoidance yes. of life. There's nothing. Lack of, lack of a global pandemic going on. Like, day. just incredible set of yeah. circumstances. Right. Like, because I was at every, like, when I was in my first WGN stint, Carm, like, I went to every game from basically the end of 11 until 14, and they sucked. And then, and then once they got good, I wasn't covering the games anymore. <laughs> so it was pretty nice though. It's like just sit back, yeah, 
watch, you know, like Casey Coleman or, you know, somebody just give up like nothing. And this is terrible. Nothing against Casey Coleman. I'm sure he's going to be listening. But, you know, give up like six to the to the Reds. And I still felt great because I was at Wrigley for, for no price. Uh, beautiful. Uh, I, did, I was. I can one day tell my child that I saw the John Baker game in 2000. The John Baker game, exactly. With, yeah, so I was there for that. And then my child will say, nobody cares. When David DeJesus would spray one down the left field line, there was – there. I mean, it, it was, like a nine-pitch at bat from DeJesus, too. You know, he would work yes. that 3-2 count and then just lace one down the opposite field. I was so excited about David DeJesus because after my radio stint in Kansas City, he was the one royal who – was any good? I'm like, oh, sweet. The Cubs got DeJesus. Like, all of Chicago is going to learn what I know about DeJesus. And then everybody wanted to basically uh, tell me that he's a fourth outfielder, and that's it there, pal. And then well, the team stunk. Great <laughs> platoon with, with a Dave Sapelt, though. Sapelt could really, you know, do the occasional left-handed hit in pitching. So. The fact that his name made it a great squad that makes team. it so much better. I'd see these. That is a name that I don't remember, which is kind of embarrassing. But came over Travis Wood, Sean Marshall uh, trade. So uh, the big, uh, okay. one of the big first ones from the Theo era. Sure. A little Dave Sapelt action. Brian LaHare All Star year, if uh, I'm not mistaken, that year as well. Loved him. Memory lane. Yes, Sean Marshall. By the way, playing in the same softball league that I play in on Sundays now, and I look at him like. You're better than this. Don't be playing in a softball league with Carm on Sundays. What's wrong with you? You are not thinking that. You are going in there thinking that you are the man, that you are in the same softball league as Sean Marshall, I, and I, you know it. I, I agree. I, I am trying to prove to him that I'm a good athlete. <laughs> <laughs> right? Did you get a 45 Sean Marshall jersey just to casually wear to the game? That's a great idea. I should do that. If, if, if he's forcing him to throw the 12 to six curveball, he's like, forget <laughs> this underhand stuff. I want full 12, six curveball baseball and I'm going deep. Yeah. It, it's Sean, just like, Oh, Hey Sean. Oh, sorry. I, I forgot you were on the team. I just happened to have this Marshall Jersey at home. <laughs> this pod- Was he 45. Yes. yes. Yeah. Right. Good, 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 good episode. The Windy city cub pod coming out every Monday evening. And, uh, we are, very excited to be with you to slog, slog through this. Are you got the over or the under here, y'all? Seventy-eight wins. Are we? Are you going over or under? Ooh, I think that it's honestly tough because I think that the talent that they have would make me say over, but I don't know if in July they're going to have the same players. So I think yeah. I would tentatively say under because. My sense is that somebody could be gone by July, but I don't have a great feeling. Over or under? I'm going over. I'm the eternal optimist with it. <laughs> I feel good about it. I think the NL Central is a disaster. Without the ring. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna, – I mean, the Pirates might go 0-162, so they'll bank a bunch of wins there. The rest of the division is, is winnable. I'm going over, but the thing that could derail them, I think, is exactly Jordan's point, is that they're not in it or they don't feel comfortably enough in it that they're going to sell off some pieces, which could kill them the last two months of the year. So, right. But over, over 78 and a half. All right, just for the record, I'm going to overreact to the first spring training game. Only scored one run. I think the offense is still broke. I'm going under significantly. But the pitching staff is zero ERA <laughs> if you're going to overreact. So. Right, but I, I, I think it's very Shelby safe. Shelby Miller is back. He threw two scoreless. So. <laughs> that's, that's good. And, 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 and well, had, hey, LaRusso's back at Chicago, and so is Shelby Miller. 
I'm, right. bet, I'm betting against the pitching, and I feel very comfortable that the offense stinks. Uh, I got 68 wins, and um, <laughs> and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but you will is get Rodis Vizcaino still available uh, for a trade. Where is Luis Vizcaino now? That is a name probably before <laughs> your. That... I miss this. Luis Vizcaino, you know, solid. Was that was that the same era? He was good for a while, though. Maybe not in the Cubs. Do you you know who they you know who they traded Luis Vizcaino for? The Brewers, right? He, I forget the 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 wandering career of Luis Vizcaino, but we used to call him Lichainu Vizcaino back in the day because we wanted him to be Jewish. I think me and my Israeli friend Benny Levy, who was a diehard Cup fan who moved here and fell in love with Ryan Sandberg and Michael Jordan, is a straight hero. Um, he should be listening to this podcast, although we haven't gotten any clicks from Israel, so Levy's letting me down. But the point of this is that they traded they traded Jose Vizcaino, who was like a legitimate decent middle infielder who could play all three spots and was a decent left-handed stick. They traded him for Anthony Young, the worst pitcher in the history of baseball. Didn't he, didn't he go oh, like, 16 way, you're confusing right? your two Vizcainos. You went from Luis Vizcaino to Jose. Oh, I went to Jose Vizcaino. Oh, that's terrible. You went from right-handed reliever to switch-hitting utility middle infielder. I met Jose Vizcaino. I remember Jose Vizcaino. Yeah, so do I. I, I, I remember both. Anthony Young, I want to say, wasn't he on like Owen when the the went Owen fourteen in ninety seven? Didn't he lose like yeah. a bunch of games? But were his numbers not that bad? He we had, just loved right. He had he had acceptable numbers, yet he never won. And then I remember him coming yeah. here and like he he threw like three wild pitches at the worst time you possibly could. And Steve says like, well, and you look at a guy who's 0-28 and you wonder why he's lost 28 straight. Those are the reasons right there. <laughs> Man. What a blast from the past. I got to look up. You know, the first thing I'm going to do when I hang up is check out his ERA from that season. And actually, I'll check out his XFIP. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can you get a Mike Bilecki XFIP while you're at it? I would love a Bilecki. Maybe maybe go on and check out some of the advanced metrics of a Bob Scanlon and Sean Bosky while I'm at it. So. If you've listened this long, please tweet at us your thoughts on either Boom Boom by Lucky, Jose Viscaino, Bob Scanlon, or anybody from that era of Cub, which is such a or solid. Or Freddie Boom Boom Bynum. Fred... Freddie Boom Boom. You, you know, when you game Boom Boom, the first thing I thought of was Bynum. So I'm glad somebody came up with that. What years so... are we talking about right now? They had the... You know Freddie? Freddie Boom Boom Bynum? No, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't what... even remember what year was it was. That was probably like, what, like 2010? Yeah, number four, right? Number four in your program, number one in your heart. Number one in your heart. Boom, boom, buying them. Don't rem- I, I, I don't remember boom, boom. I, I might have, I got a YouTube, I'm going to YouTube boom, boom, buying them right now. This is, this is, this is, this is why you come here. Uh, we, we love you. Jordan Burnfield, Brian Beto, yours truly, Mark Harmon. Just, just so appreciative that you've made it this far on the podcast. Although whenever I go into Omni and, and look for consumption, I always get 0% at the end, but I don't believe that, that those numbers are right. I know you're out there. And then by the way, if you tweeted us that you listened this far, I will get you a, a t-shirt of the, uh, of, of some, uh, at the Carm ilk or i'll steal something from burnfield's closet oh, Freddie, boom boom buying them shirzy that's where you'll get them <laughs> we'll, we'll send you a cubs yeah. ski hat i'll i'll get it from my guy howard cadet the garbage man who sells merchandise right next to the firehouse on waveland check out Cadet, the man the myth the legend who uh 
perhaps we'll say some things that are are not appropriate for consumption, and I'll leave that off the air. But uh, okay, <laughs> see you next Monday, Beetle. Say goodbye. Bye. I'm gonna go eat some chicken breast. I've been waiting. Wife's, wife's waiting with dinner at the fa- dinner at the dinner table. It's getting cold. I gotta go. Father, Wait, what are you talking about? Uh, what are you talking about? Oh, we're, don't worry. We're talking about the the excess of an Anthony <laughs> Young and a Paul Ostenbacher. So that's uh, why I'm late. Oh, did I love Paul Ostenbacher? Jordan, say goodbye. The father to be. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm gonna go look at Kevin Tappany's uh, fifth. <laughs> From 1996. All right, I'm going 27. Thad Bosley, one of the great pinch hitters from 1983. That's where I'm headed. Thank you for listening to <laughs> the Windy City Cubs podcast. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Did you ever go buy a pack of Cracker Jack thinking you're going to get a prize and find no prize <laughs> in the box? That might not sound important to some people, but when, you, when you're a little kid, especially from humble origin, and they cheat you out of a prize, it's hard to think in laudatory terms of the product. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. They can't let their voice be heard on the airways, but I will be the voice of the voiceless. It's damn insulting to those players and coaches who are busting their butts for six weeks away from home to bring a winner for the people of Lake County. I think if there was an occasional box of Cracker Jacks that found no prizes for the the little Harry Carey many years ago. (laughs) You got that right. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. One ball, one strike. These guys say, well, you you sing about Cracker Jack. I said that I only sing it because it's in the song. My problem is I care too much. Good night and good luck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.